welcome back to a new episode of For the Love of Weather podcast, where we discuss all things weather and how they can impact our daily lives. Like always, we really hope that you leave this episode loving the weather just that little bit more. My name is Gemma. And my name is Ashling, and I'm so thrilled to be here with Gemma today because we're doing a very special podcast and I have a very special guest today and that is none other than Gemma. Gemma, welcome to our own podcast. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So myself and Gemma just thought we'd do a very quick podcast, um, just a little bit more about our forecasting, uh, what we've done in forecasting, a little bit more about us perhaps so you can get to know us a little bit more and just a half hour of chat about a little bit of silliness and the weather. So Gemma, do you want to start with a question? Okay, so one of the questions, when we said that we were going to do this episode, one question I thought I would ask you actually was one thing actually that you found really tough at the start of forecasting and then maybe something that you find tough now because it might have changed. Yeah, oh gosh. <laughs> forecasting, full stop. <laughs> When I started forecasting, so I think in our first episode, we did a brief introduction of, you know, how we actually got into it. But what I didn't say in, I think in that first episode was actually how I got into forecasting. So I have, um, I didn't go into much detail about the hop, skip and jump that I took. So mm-hmm. I actually do have a maths degree, an economics degree as well, although really not sure I should have an economics degree because I don't know much about economics anymore. And then I have another master's in remote sensing and then I have my master's in meteorology. But when I joined my meteorology course, I had no kind of physics background. And I remember on the first day, the lecturer just saying, okay, so we're just going to like recap on the ideal gas law. And I was like, hmm, what now? Mm-hmm. Like didn't understand anything about pressure. Like so pressure equals rho or T, which is this constant. So pressure is temperature, temperature is pressure. So you can talk about it in either language. And that just like stumped me. So I couldn't understand like why, never mind the maths of it, but you know how like ISO lines are this line Mm. of constant pressure. So like they exist at the surface. They also exist 10 meters above that, 10 meters above that. And that really blew my mind, Mm. like that it wasn't just surface pressure and that pressure was also temperature. And then so therefore, I found it incredibly difficult, like approximately we, you know, uh, split the atmosphere into one half and then another half, broadly speaking. And we broadly talk about the jet stream, even though there is other like ribbons of fairly strong air around it. But, you know, we generally talk about those of 300 hectopascal or down at the surface. And I just couldn't like picture or comprehend pressure <laughs> there, even though yeah. it's like one continuum. So that really blew my mind. And then, and like, like most things in forecasting, one day something just clicks and then you can't unsee it. But I just couldn't see it. I just couldn't understand. And, you know, the, the fact that they're sort of slightly out of alignment as well and that like air higher up moves faster because um, of conservation of angular momentum. I, I just, you know, it was just like, oh my God, I, I just, uh, what am I doing on this course? I can't understand everything. And everyone just seemed to be nodding away. And I was like, what's <laughs> pressure? It was like, it's like a car engine. I was like, I don't know how a car engine works. And these numbers don't mean anything to me. So anyway, so yes, pressure charts, which seems like really basic, but that used to really stump me. And then one day it just clicked and then it didn't mm. unclick. And so 
I think it's probably one of the first things anytime I've ever like chatted or mentored anyone or talked to anybody about I really get that you might not get yeah what you're looking at I really really get that I've you know and I think once you crack that then you you know the rest of it just starts to fall into place another thing was tefigrams so the construction on tefigram so I know what a tefigram is and for those that are listening if you don't know it's another way of visualizing the atmosphere so you normally use um the dew point line and the temperature line and you have like in any one spot it's like dropping a little picture of the temperature of the atmosphere right from the top right down to the bottom of the surface where you are just directly above your head so it's just one spot but there's these things called constructions that you can do on a tephigram to help you understand how the atmosphere might respond on any one day and in those profiles you could for example see that actually there might be a higher temperature above your head than you realize so you tend to think that the higher you go the colder it gets but actually in a tephigram you might see actually there's slightly warmer air about four or five hundred feet above your head so you know maybe the atmosphere then isn't as um, excitable that day. So it's more stable. Anyway, there's all these things. So tephigrams as well, they blew my mind until one day again, it just clicked. And then, mm-hmm. so I couldn't see it, but then I couldn't unsee it. Once yeah, I yeah. once you've seen it, you just thought, how did so I not were, know that? How did I yes. not see that before? Yeah. And actually, I've often said, if I hadn't, didn't, I know this has come up on previous podcasts, if I didn't have anything to forecast with in a day, if I had one tephigram and one surface pressure chart, I'd be golden. I could do it and they were the things with that I was just like I just this is like I'm looking at a language that I've never seen before it is another language isn't it and it's it like, is. And then once that language clicks they were things I found hard but then learned to love and I see lots of them now but perhaps I see lots of them because I really struggled to learn them and I think when you really struggle to learn them you're looking at something from every different angle and yeah. therefore your how you see it can be in a number of different ways and on any one day you might want to see it in a slightly different way so I do feel that that benefited me not understanding it yeah I was gonna say maybe because you had to take longer to understand it you have a better understanding than a lot of people because you really really (laughs) you really dived into everything and you learn it as best as you can yeah um yeah and well I don't know whether it's better than other people but for me it's a very like it is an answer like I can look at one and I see an answer yeah there's you know and yes okay there's uncertainty like say like okay well if we got another half a degree well then maybe we could create a shower you know if you do like a construction on the tephron that is hard and then it got to a point actually where it got too complicated because I was seeing too much and then that's too much information to give to a client so like you know for the job that I do now like nobody cares whether there is like you know, uh, five octaves of cloud at 5,000 foot. So like whether yeah. half, of, half of the sky is full of cloud at 5,000 foot and another half at, at 10,000 foot. Nobody cares. They just sit here sunny spells. But for clients, the different client, like an aviation client, that's really important to know where exactly those layers and how thick those layers are, are of cloud. So actually, so this role, simplifying things is, I won't even say simplifying it. It's, it's the skill of pulling out the most important piece of information and it's hard yeah I was gonna say I think yeah because I've transitioned into media forecasting now and I you come into it with you have your head on like you had before so I would come on to shift before doing road forecasting and you'd have to know 
at a certain site what the cloud would do at certain hours and whether the road temperature would go below freezing and whether there'd be ice and you'd need to know really specific information you'd also really and for you as well you'd need to know about the road construction where that sensor was how it responded in different wind directions so it's not just the atmosphere it's actually the the bitumen on the road (laughs) yeah whether there's a tree next by uh, next door yeah. or whether there's loads of runoff so there's loads of water just, that just sits on the side of the road so it will ice over even if it's been dry you need to know all of these information you're going into it voice information and i had to transition to media and it was like saying well i have all this really specific information but that's not the weather story that's not the story that people want to know they don't want to know that there's a bit of runoff on the side of the road and they might have a little bit of ice they want to know the general story and it was like taking all that information that I had but saying what is the most important thing today because that's what people need to know that's what they want to know if they're going to head outside and go for a walk yeah and actually I sometimes think like you know that's what a a meter is it's the simplest form of of like reading the weather I mean there's a lot of information in the meter a meter is this report that's given by um at a oh god what's it meteorological and something aerodrome Oh, I can't even remember what it stands for that you can't remember either. But basically, it's a coded message and it's, you know, maybe 40 or 50 characters long of, of the weather conditions on the day. But actually, there's a lot of a lot of information in that, but there is a take home message from it. So I always think that as well about broadcasting. So I know you go in in the morning and you'll be like, right, well, you know, let's just say somebody's running late. It's like you have 10 seconds. What are you going to tell them? What you're going to say to them uh, just at the moment, at the time of this recording, waving front tomorrow thunderstorms mm-hmm. risk of flooding that's the take-home message but that person will then go and speak for one minute not just about that but you know the, they'll get through today tonight tomorrow the next day mm-hmm. and the next day before all of that though you will have ingested so much information to actually decide yeah. right if I have 10 seconds to tell somebody something and that's basically what media is yeah yeah it is and I actually when I started doing my current job I would sit down with um, friends and family and say to them after a broadcast what did you get from that yeah, yeah what did you take away because I took away something completely different because I'm coming at it from a met um, met head I'd be like oh okay the meteorology in there and they would take away stuff that was completely different to what I was there they were like oh well tomorrow's gonna rain and I'd be like well did you not take out take into account the time of the rain like, well it's gonna rain at some stage and I was yeah, like yeah. okay so you need to as you say you need to look at things in loads of detail we spend like ages looking at things and looking at different elements and different variables but ultimately we then need to make sure we know what the overall weather story is and what that person yeah. needs to know how to simplify yeah and and actually so when you are broadcasting as well then then like you you might think that the language sounds so like what people might not know is that you know you don't read a script mm. rarely anybody reads a script nowadays like you just you know talk when you're actually the language you use I, do, I am very mindful of the language I use. I might sound like I'm waffling, but I'm not. Like I would think to myself, and I, I see the weather differently now. So before I had the boys, for example, the weather was very different to me. I enjoyed it in a different way. I mean, mm. I still love clouds and I die over a cloudscape. You know, I just <laughs> love them. But now when I'm off shift, I'm literally like, right, what's my dry window to get these boys out? Because they're yeah. full of energy. And I'm very mindful of that now when I'm broadcasting. And I try and insert like, so repeat in different ways what I'm going to say. So whether it's like dry at first or wet, mainly in the morning or, 
you know, the best usable weather would be in the afternoon. So that's not saying that it was raining in the morning, but it's almost repeating that yeah. I said it was wet in the morning. So I'm very mindful of that language because ultimately somebody who's watching the weather forecast, they might only want one snippet of it. So mm-hmm. like maybe they have a half day off the next day and they want to know what that weather is. And that's all they're looking for. That's, yeah, they're that's not watching like, it that's... the same way me, you and I are. I mean, I watch True. the weather the same way you are in a broadcast, you know whether whether it's national or region I watch it the exact same way as you Gemma we both know how we watch it and we can visualize whether you thought that front was there for the last four model runs or yeah whether you you know I don't like the look of that that just doesn't look like that's going to happen just because of that like years and years of pattern recognition and like yeah. watching something and being like oh it doesn't like you know you don't know why but you're like I don't like how that looks it doesn't look normal you know it's it's true it's true I mean I um I was upstairs in my house early and I thought to myself I recognize that voice on the tv <laughs> and I ran downstairs and Ash was on my tv doing my weather and I was just like oh it's Ash and it was like I'd been in on night shifts recently and I was like oh that front's quicker on it's Saturday now. Yeah, so yeah. straight away I was like, oh, I'd been yeah. thinking about changing my weekend plans. I was thinking, yes, actually, yes. no, no, I think yeah. I'm going to stick with my plans and do it on the Sunday because it's probably going to be a bit more of a usable day. And but yeah. I was thinking straight away, I thought that front's quicker than it was yesterday because it's yeah, been you, moving quicker yeah. through the last and few you, model and runs. The thing was, we've been watching it all week, but actually, mm-hmm. originally at the start of the week, it was there on Sunday. But but the fact that it was consistently there it tells you it's going to be there yeah. so it's pretty good consensus on it but just the timing is always going to be a little bit yeah. heavy as well wherever the flash flooding happens tomorrow as well so like anyway there's a lot that goes into it so there's much a lot, a lot a lot a lot that goes into it I think um, people don't really realize that sometimes as well no and then there's also like uh, what's happening socially in the background so it's still school holidays at the moment People still on their holidays, still going camping, people still starting their two-week holidays just before they go back to school. And you're mindful of that. You're like, somebody's going to get washed out there. It's true. It it does. I think your activities and your plans really change the way that you watch the weather. Like I was going a trip to Scotland and we went in a camper van. And the week before I was really like looking at the weather and making sure how much usable dry weather would we have? Would would we really would it get cool at night would it be raining all this information and then while you're away you're just thinking please don't rain please don't rain (laughs) but that time I watched the weather in a completely different way and I was thinking right what's the weather going to be like and and also I've noticed recently as well Gemma I'm sure you've seen it too the overnight lows there's been a couple of twos and threes up in Scotland yeah and that might mean anything to in general terms but as uh, somebody as a forecaster or meteorologist it's oh it's just that little hint it's that little Oh yes we are now moving on again yeah and I've seen loads of leaves actually on the ground even though it's still you know it's still fairly summery and actually it's been really mild overnight like overall we're probably gonna have yeah. a warmer August again but um yeah it's been really mild overnight there's little hints everywhere that the you know the nights are drawing in and like it's not not huge but we're losing about three and a half minutes a day yeah in daylight and to us that translates into daytime heating and to how you know the mist and fog will linger a little bit longer than it has done you'll actually see it where it's normally the early birds like people who get up and love walking and actually for me really luckily would send me pictures at 5 a.m in the summer they will they will notice it too because when they get back from their walk it won't be quite as bright as as it was but yeah there's there's hints of change everywhere and you see that in not just your data that you're looking at but in your 
cloud around you know in in your work yeah and everything around you like I've noticed it on a night shift like I would come down at a certain time on a night shift and make a cup of tea and some toast and I'd know oh well it was getting light and I was like okay and then the other last few night shifts have to come down and and it's been noticeably darker at those times or I'd go out for a walk after work and the sun will be setting and I'd be like oh a couple of weeks ago I wasn't seeing the sunset because it was setting so much later than my walk and yeah. it's those things and you think oh yeah yeah the winter's on its way yeah. <laughs> you, you, do, you do in the back of your head the winter is coming <laughs> in the back of your head there's a little weave of that into your what you're telling people what you're briefing people what you're saying yeah. to people you know that it, it does actually it weaves into your brain you notice everything and it all gets added up and then divided up into something that resembles weather forecast yeah. summarized in 10 seconds <laughs> I'm always so impressed when when presenters can just take all that information that I've given them and be like okay 50 seconds I'm going to tell the weather for the next three days I'm like, like how have you done that you've only been having like 50, 30 seconds 50 seconds to say all all of what needs to be said yeah just as what's the take-home message always what's the take-home message yeah. isn't it if somebody said to you what's the weather doing tomorrow and you had like four or five words it's true that's basically true. What, it, what, it, what it boils down to yeah anyway that's the media forecasting for me one thing that I've done that you've probably not done is aviation forecasting I was going to ask you about that because I've never done any aviation forecasting yeah. but I've heard we've, we've spoken a lot about it and it's something that I find really interesting it's a, a skill a, a real skill as is any nitty-gritty yeah. forecasting you know like there's so much detail geez road forecasting my god you want to be like a wizard to be a good road forecaster there's just so many variables you have to be alert on a road oh forecast. my gosh I know I possibly was not the best road forecaster but thankfully That's I don't true. do it anymore <laughs> no, I was also a terrible waitress as well I have been <laughs> honestly I've done every part-time job you can imagine I've been working this sounds horrible like I was you know, but I have actually been working since I was about 14 in some shape or form in a yeah. part-time job. I've always held in a part-time job. Always worked through school, worked through universities, worked, you know, blah, 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 through that. But the one job I was, and I, so I have like worked in a butcher, I've worked in a deli counter, I've been a chambermaid. I have, oh, I worked at a festival once. Oh, um, wow. At a carnival. Yes, I was, uh, worked at a carnival taking tickets. I, Oh, I worked in a lamb hog roast van when I was in Australia. <laughs> I worked in Australia. I've had loads of, of loads of different part-time jobs. The one I was absolutely horrendous at is waitressing. So bad at it. In what way? Like, did you forecasting may come, you, come there. Did you forget? So first of all, it was in German. So I, my, my culinary vocabulary in German was really bad at the time. <laughs> That people would be like ordering something and then like maybe saying, you know, on its feeble as so, like something like without onions, but you know, okay, that, that one was straightforward to me, but there was other things where I was just like, I just don't, yeah, I was the worst. I never brought back the right things, I never brought back the right drinks order. I was constantly stressed out, constantly just like, oh, it, I I am the worst rages. And I can't follow a recipe either. I find recipe books entirely overwhelming. So this is so I can consume a lot of information with other things in my life, yeah. with recipe, cooking, anything like that. If that recipe is more than four ingredients, my brain just cannot compute it. It's like there's this, I'm reading the 
the mental and then the physical just do not add up and I just cannot cannot follow a recipe that really surprises me actually because obviously with forecasting it's you have to it's a huge recipe basically of, yeah loads yeah, of huge, loads yeah. of ingredients the recipe can be pages long no I can't I food is like my and I love food I love food but yes, it is my downfall. I'm absolutely shocking at that. Anyway, I digress. But back into aviation podcasting. <laughs> That's really complicated as well. As we were saying, like you want different things. And actually within aviation, I did two different types. I did um, low flying, which is, uh, you know, anywhere from around 100 foot, which is quite low. So that mm-hmm. would probably just be for the takeoff. But like, mm, you know, 100 foot up to around even actually 2000 foot. So low flying aviation. And then civilian aviation, which is, you know, where they, they care if they can land on the runway, but they will just pop through the cloud and then they're up and, and they're gone. And they're equally, although I did quite enjoy them. I miss them, but that's very technical. You're looking at yeah. Did you prefer one to the other or would you like them both equally? Well, I had different customers for both. So the low flying stuff was really interesting because it was working alongside the military and the pilots are really well trained in weather. So you're having a different conversation with them. Mm. But yeah, you can be really useful to them. And that feels really nice where civilian forecasting, uh, once they get out of your airport, they're up, they're gone and they're on yeah, the waffle charts and they're on flight paths. But you can definitely help them load on, load off passengers, whether they need to you know, delay, cancel flights and all that. Not that you make those decisions, but you're very much a part of that team that does. Yeah because of the weather it sounds really interesting it, it's a really interesting side of weather forecasting I think mm, yeah but it's night shifts I can't do it anymore what about you tell me what's your what's the one thing that you couldn't understand when you started weather my gosh I think because you learn about oh identifying fronts and all these sort of things but I remember being sat there with with a with a chart and being told to to draw the fronts on that day and thinking I just don't know. I, I really like my head just really struggled to know where I was. I think I overthought it. I was like, where exactly will the front be? Checking all the winds, how, whether they were veering back in, all this sort of information, how the winds were changing. And I think I found that quite tough to mm. start off with, but maybe it's because I overthought it. Whereas now, I mean, you know, I draw fronts around the world and I'm just like, yep. Yeah, but it's like second nature now I can just draw the fronts and I'm like yep there's I can see straight away a bit like you Mm, straight away I can see there's a front there there's definitely a a cold front there there's definitely a trough there yeah but at the start I just I really struggled to just take a step back and overlook it and see it and then when you see it you can't unsee it yeah like now I'm just like well there's obviously a front there (laughs) like that's so obvious do you know what I mean so I think yeah at the start I really I did I did struggle a little bit with that there's so much information at the start to take on I think that's what it is because you learn physics you learn about it at uni but then put it putting what you learn at uni into practice is completely different because we did a little bit of like forecasting at uni but we didn't do a huge amount so it's actually taking what you know and putting it into forecasting Um, but I did quite a lot of time on roads uh, road forecasting and I think at the start I was told You'll need to know the local local detail, how different sites respond in different weather situations. And I thought, how do you do that for the UK? There's there's so many places. Yeah, there is so overwhelming. How would you do that? But after years, like even now, I haven't done road forecasting for a few years now. 
I could still be like, yeah, that site's going to go down in that weather system, weather situation. <laughs> yeah. That site will get cold. If there's a northerly wind, that site's definitely going to get a snow shower. You can just know in a weather yeah. situation which sites are going to be cold, which ones you need to keep an eye on. Yeah. And at the start of, of doing road forecasting, I just thought, how on earth do you learn all this information? Yeah. Whereas now I'm just like, well, how do you not know that information? Yeah. It's just like, because it's yeah. ingrained in you. You've learned it over years and years and years. But I think that's, you know, we're in that like, like amazing luxury place where we absolutely are in love with the topic that we work with. Yeah. And so... I think once you get over the initial hump, so that first year, that first four seasons, well, first of all, you get a little bit more confidence because you then you get that like, oh, yeah, no, I've seen this before. I've seen this pattern before. I maybe know what to expect. And then you go into the detail to see mm-hmm. how that might be different. But you could, you know, you've got a, a good idea of it. And then it's almost like lovely now to be learning new things. Yeah, I, I'm like that as well. I think you can do a certain forecasting for a certain amount of time and then you think Mm. actually I want to take the schools that I've got and I want to implement them in a different way so for me that was media forecasting and taking the skills I'd learned in road forecasting and saying seeing how these were transferable to media and then how I'd have to adapt to that sort of side of it. Anyway Gemma let's get to some other quick fire round questions. Let's go for it. Okay, so, well, we know each other's favourite seasons because we talk about it a lot on this. You can do it again. Maybe somebody's listening to it for the first time. Okay. Ash, what's your favourite season? Well, Gemma, my favourite season is spring. Mm. <laughs> Please explain it, why. <laughs> so spring is my favourite season because you can get all types of weather in spring. Plus we're coming out of the dark winter, so we start to get more daylight, but you can still get snow. You can still get warm spells. It's... Oh, it's just one of those, and everything changes. Nature comes to life again. The blossoms, the leaves, yeah. the trees. You remember everything wakes up. It is the such a great season to forecast for. Not it's a great season, season for the ocean, though. It is true. What about you, Gemma? What's your favorite season? So, every people that have listened to this uh, podcast before will know that I I really struggle to pick one. I'm between the two. I do really love spring for similar reasons to you. Things are coming to life. There's the blossom and the the flowers everything's lovely but I do really like autumn and I think it's because of the colors of the trees the leaves changing you can still get warmth in September and you're starting to see sort of storms and more stormy weather moving in and they're for me I find them really interesting to forecast for so yeah I think autumn they're like tying at the moment I'm really struggling but I'm gonna say autumn but I guess I understand your autumn though because you love like storms hurricanes like you will go work for the National Hurricane Centre one day in some shape or form so I totally will give you autumn for that reason as the nature of the subject is in autumn yeah yeah provides you with the thing that you enjoy I think so because I think like with hurricane season it, it spans a long time so from like may to november but a lot more of the activity will start to come sort of the end of august we're starting to see things now at the moment getting more active september time and i think the store for me the storms and forecasting the where the strongest winds will be and how heavy the rain will be i really enjoy those sort of stormy stormy setups because there's so much to get your teeth into there's so much information there and it's it's nice to tell people and 
warn people about what's happening I think that's what it is as well yeah it's more serious weather and it's more helpful yeah I get that so let me see I'm going to change this up now would you have a twirl or a twix Ash this is like your you we've never spoken about this but those at the moment are like my two chocolate bars to go for like I ordered I got a, a delivery yesterday and there was 12s and Twixes in both. Um, oh, this is hard. This is this is a really hard question for me. I really like a 12 because they're great to dunk in tea. So I love dunking chocolate in tea. Oh, I'm actually salivating. I'm salivating. It's so good. And the orange 12s, if you've not had an orange 12. I have. I've had lots of them. When, you see, when I see them in the shop, because they're quite hard to find, I have to buy loads and just like give them all to me. But I think maybe it's because I'm greedy you get two fingers with a Twix. So you're two, getting... Two, well, you get, oh, two, you get two with a Twix in, in, well. in the, Not in the fun size, you know, the fun size packs, no, the normal Yeah, twirl. that is true. Okay, so I I'm, I'm twix, open the ante it, here. I'm open the ante. There's oh. two sticks in the twirl and there's two sticks in the Twix. I think I'm going for a Twix. I approve that choice. Have you ever done it? I think it's a Twix where you bite both ends off the Twix and then you drink tea through it. No, but then I might risk losing some of the chocolate. No, 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 you don't, really. you don't. This is something that we learn at the UK. Is this Tam, an Australian Tim Tam that you do it with as well? Oh, maybe, but it like melts the middle you, and the caramel. Yeah, I think it's an Australian Tim Tam, yes, yummy, and you like suck up tea through the chocolate. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> you should give that a try. <laughs> for those that are listening, it's actually coming up to lunchtime at the moment for me and Gemma, so I'm thinking about it. <laughs> What I'm going to have for lunch? Something very healthy, of course. I'm definitely be going to get a Twix out of the cupboard after this <laughs> and make a cup of tea. Okay, what is your favourite piece of clothing? Oh my goodness, that's a really hard question. Um... Now you can only you're on a desert island. Now the desert island can have not necessarily desert weather, so it can have any weather. So what's your what's the one piece of clothing that you would be taking with you aside from your normal, you know? trousers and top I mean you know what, what's the okay because I was going to say walking shoes because no. I love walking and if I'm on a desert island I'm going to be exploring but then I was thinking is there like a weather piece of clothing that I've got that I would love well I'm actually with you there on the the walking shoes if your feet are dry you're normally good it's true go. good you pair of socks your... as well yeah a nice woolly pair absorbs the moisture <laughs> <laughs> if it's raining but yeah no I'm with you there I'd actually take a pair of walking shoes with me as well I might have to take a fun umbrella as well yeah that's a good shout have an umbrella that has white dots on it and when it gets wet it turns into rainbow colors so I've got one of those as well have you yeah, yeah. I might just keep myself entertained entertained so it's entertainment well. it's great if it's raining also if it was really hot you've got shade as well yeah this is true. It actually works really well for a shade of umbrella. It's just true. a sun umbrella. You don't need a sun umbrella. You just need a rain umbrella. Where in the world could you go tomorrow if I said, I've got a ticket and you can go? Where would you go? Okay. When you said that, my first instinct was to say Costa Rica. Oh. I'm, I really, really like really want to go to Costa Rica so badly oh, it's like on the, my no. bucket list I also want to go to like Australia and New Zealand and there's so many places but tomorrow tomorrow like when we went into like all these lockdowns and I realized that I wouldn't be traveling for a while my first thought was will I ever get to Costa Rica 
am desperate to go there. Mm. It looks amazing. The wildlife, the scenery, the waterfalls. Yeah, that would be my choice. That's where our gorgeous friend Rachel fell in love with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Oh, gosh. Do you know, immediately, actually, so given the circumstances that we're in, if I could click my fingers, I'd go to Ireland. I haven't been home in a while. But if it wasn't COVID, I would 100% go to the Arctic. Yeah, so that was my other... That was my other decision because I was thinking mm. I'd love to go to Antarctica or the Arctic. Right, Antarctica. But, I'll take that as well. But actually, I'd love to go to the Arctic, anywhere in the Arctic Circle. Actually, yeah, It'd be amazing. Oh, that would be amazing. I just love to see those icebergs and the water and the the whole the whole environment. I've never mm. never experienced before. the Northern Lights. You'd be able to see as well. Oh, oh my God! I did see the Northern Lights one time. It was the most breathtaking thing I've ever seen and actually I don't know if anyone is listening to this and they've seen the northern lights they know what I'm talking about but if you didn't there's something about them I didn't know so any pictures I've ever seen of them were always like a still so they're yeah. just like this kind of snapshot but actually if you see the northern lights they literally I I, ima- I was imagining them like if you had a really giant ballroom with a massive curtain that would fill out that type of a window so something absolutely huge and you were to take that curtain and try and start to swish it back and forth from one end and watch the wave travel down the curtain that's kind of like how the northern lights move they just dance across the sky in this most amazing swirl I was mesmerized by it and actually I went on northern lights tour and I didn't see any and it was just one random night that I saw them and it was just such a fantastic they yeah, are amazing I felt, I, yeah I've seen them twice I've, oh, I've been on well, I've been on two northern lights tours and we saw them on both nights and they were active on both nights so we were super amazing. lucky with the weather because we went to Iceland and the weather there can be so hit and miss it changes so quickly as well it's but, crazy there Reykjavik airport I think one of the few airports in the world that has landing strips in all wind directions so normally uh uh, a runway is like an east-west runway or yeah. a southwest northeast runway, one or the other. Iceland has like runways everywhere because they can land in any weather basically. Yeah. So your trip's unlikely to be cancelled. But you might it's, have a bumpy, a bumpy. Yeah, a bit of a bumpy landing. But <laughs> yeah. the northern lights, like like you say, you just watch them dance across the sky, and I'd envisioned that they would just be completely green. But the, no. I started off like a milky whitey color, and yeah. when you look through the camera, that's when you see the green. But then they started to get more active, and we had some reds and. Oh, it was amazing. It yeah, just like breathtaking. Takes, it takes your breath. It does take your breath away. Yeah, and I makes, would love that. Yeah, have this very humble feeling. I'll have to send you a link, actually, because I found a place in, I think it's somewhere like Norway. I think it is. And it's like a, um, a glass hotel. <gasps> and you just lay in bed and you just watch the Northern Lights. That's it's where like, I want to go tomorrow. Although there's no Northern Lights now, it's still quite bright. But it is getting darker. It is getting so. dark. But that's like, I, I saved that because I was like, one day... One day I'm gonna go let's to that go place. There. <laughs> let's go there together. Let's go. Let's there do together. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I've got a tricky one for you because I don't know if I could answer this question. Okay. Sunset or sunrise? Sunrise. Really? Always. Why? Well, actually, it's quite a personal reason. I find that with all of the highs and lows in life, mm. I'm always the most hopeful and you know, my mom used to say to me, 
and still says to me, you know, have a night's sleep and you'll feel better in the morning. And there's just something about the hope of the morning. So always a sunrise for me. How about you? I go through, I, I go through stages when I change my mind. If you were going to ask me today, I would probably say sunsets. Mm, why is that? I don't know. There's something, I feel really at peace if I am, I don't live anywhere near the coast. So I don't know why I feel this, but if I'm at the coast and I'm watching the sunset, I feel so calm, so peaceful. And I just, I only really see sunrises on night shifts as well. So maybe oh, that's, okay. maybe that's maybe why. That's why. But yeah. sunsets for me, a, co- a coastal sunset. Oh, I'm all over that. Absolutely. That's so great. Completely. Another humbling moment, isn't it? Mm. If you do have the opportunity to sit there for a few minutes and just absorb. And also how quickly the sun actually sets. You know, when you <laughs> see it, just that last little arc that just bips below the horizon. Yeah. Beautiful. It's when you catch it at the right time. If you catch it yeah. and the colors are amazing because you could look up literally like five or ten minutes later and you won't have seen that amazing color display that you would have seen 10 minutes ago no power of observation all right Gemma I think we should probably leave it there for the moment we'll bore you again in another few episodes with some random musings and actually if you have any questions for us about forecasting please do drop us a line Gemma do you want to give our details yeah of course so you can find us on all of the social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok. We are for the love of weather on both of those. If you've got any questions, please pop us a message on um, Instagram. We will definitely answer questions within reason. I mean, there might be some <laughs> questions we won't answer. But if you've got a weather question or you need, you want to ask us a question about that, we'll answer that. Um, <laughs> and on Twitter, we are the number four love of weather. Gemma, actually, do you know what? I'm going to pick your brain before you go. Have you got a nice weather wisdom for us? I do. So I was thinking about this the other day, actually. So I've got a couple, but the one I'm going to go with is we were going to go for describing a heat dome because that's obviously been in the news recently with the heat waves that we've had over um, northern Africa. We've had extreme heat over southern parts of Europe and obviously a bit earlier on in Canada and the northwest uh, states. So we thought we would explain a heat dome. So a heat dome is basically you get an area of high pressure and it just sits over an area. It just doesn't move. It's a, we would call it a blocking high. And there's nothing really to move that high around. We can't really get any cooler air moving in. There's no fronts to move in either. And so the area of high pressure acts like a lid. The air under that high pressure will rise, it will heat, and then it will fall down. But because it's being trapped by this lid, this cap, it just allows the air to continue to uh, heat up. And so you just see that heat building day on, day on. And that's why when you've got a blocking high, you'll see the temperatures each day progressively getting higher and higher. Um, and we're now knowing that with climate change, the extreme uh, heat and the intensity, or well, the frequency and the intensity of heat waves are increasing. So um, these blocking highs become even more important, mm. I think. Yeah, and, and then down at the surface as well, just the kind of like the physics of it as well, when a high pressure builds in, uh, when you there's something called the bone ratio. So it's the amount of energy that goes into evaporation versus sort of heating. So initially, if you've got some drier weather as that high pressure is setting in, a lot of the energy is used up in drying out the ground. But once that ground is dry, all of that energy goes into heating, heating the ground and the ground actually heats the air. The air isn't actually heated. The air is, you know, transparent and then the ground is heated and then et cetera, et cetera. So that's how you know day on day in those blocking highs that you're going to get a higher temperature and a higher temperature because you're heating something that's already hot. And then the next day 
you're heating something that's hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter and actually yes heat domes are yeah they're quite scary actually quite scary interesting to learn about but we've seen a lot of them this year as you said with the wildfires and um and I know some people have actually well loads of people have said oh where's summer gone but I actually think in ways we've been so lucky because we haven't had any major heat waves here and for as nice as you might think that sounds actually very oppressive I think and cause an awful lot of disruption as well I mean we're likely to hit 40 degrees at some point in the next few years and it's pretty terrifying yeah I mean we've seen well provisionally uh, the temperature on Sicily I think it was like 48.8 degrees so it could possibly be the highest temperature ever recorded in Europe I cannot imagine what it would be like to be in the UK and have to experience that sort of temperature it would just be too much too much and this year the you know the French crops as well the wine the wine they've really suffered because of the heat so I think everybody's seeing it so I'm for what I'm glad we haven't quite had that heat wave to me the weather I know everyone likes well for me I like a bit of dry weather but the fact it's been cloudy actually doesn't bother me when I see what's going around us because I think right well maybe not this summer but possibly next summer and I'm I don't want that yeah I think also I think we always forget as well what previous summers have been like like last summer wasn't that bad actually it was nice forget what yesterday was like it's true (laughs) but actually the summer in the UK it's not unusual to get wet weather I mean the summers here are can be really mixed and it's just because we live on an island it's just one of those things we can get a spell of really nice weather and high pressure building in but also we can get our weather coming in off the Atlantic and we can get rain and showers yeah. it's just just where we're positioned it's just one yeah. of those things which is why I absolutely adore forecasting here but also this time last year so around the time that we are recording this there was two storms there was storm Ellen and storm Francis so it was no stormy weather so <laughs> you know I think it's been an okay summer anyway we continue to digress <laughs> I know. So if you do First of all, if you've made it this far into the podcast, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, We hope that you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy creating it. And as Gemma said, if you do want to find us, you'll find us at For the Love of Weather on Twitter and Instagram. But it's number four on Twitter. So For Love of Weather. And as always, thank you so much for listening for joining us today and Gemma we just hope that everybody that's listening just loves the weather that little bit more we really do especially after well hopefully after listening to our chat about the weather hopefully our passion for the weather comes off comes across in our chats because we, we really, really do, do love, love it, it. We, really we really do love really, it we hope we everyone it, else does <laughs> <laughs> until next time then thanks for listening Bye-bye. bye bye